And it's lights out, and here we go. Welcome to episode 22 of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. I am Ian. Alongside me always is Marco. Marco, how we doing? I am doing fantastic after this weekend. Buzzing. Buzzing at probably, I mean, we'll get into it later, but best best race of the, of the year so far? Uh, I mean, yeah, I can't think of another race that just had really kind of encapsulated so many different things to, to talk about and to watch. Yeah, totally agree. With that in mind, let's go ahead and uh, get into it. Let's go just highlights first. We'll do a little bit of a good, bad, and ugly. Um, do a weekend recap, just talking about main talking points of each of the top five teams. A quick agree to disagree, and a race predictions recap, followed by just a few extra headlines um, that have happened since the last time that we put out a podcast. So let's go ahead and kick it off with the good, bad, and ugly. Marco, why don't you go first with your uh, kind of three main points of the weekend? Yeah, so my good is just feel-good stories overall. I think this weekend was filled with feel-good moments leading into the weekend, uh, and then as the race and the weekend kind of progressed, I think there was a lot of things that came up. Starting off before qualifying and leading up into the weekend, the drivers standing up for the LGBTQ community. During the race, Ocon getting his first win of his career, Williams with the double points finish, and more importantly, George with his first ever points with Williams. I think this race really had it all. It you know you got to throw in. I wouldn't consider this good, but the crazy start to the race as well. I think it's good for fans and craziness. But uh, I mean, I could not have asked for a better weekend. Ian gave it a nine point two out of ten. Not really sure what else this race could have done more. But hey, I mean, you can't please everyone. I guess. I mean, for me, it's a ten out of ten. So very much thank you, hungry. Uh, well, not really hungry. You guys kind of blow, but thank you to the drivers. Thank you to F1, and thank you for an awesome race. Oh, and thank you to the rain. <laughs> My bad is, what the hell am I going to do for the next three weekends without racing? I spent a considerable amount of time reading about F1 news, storylines, uh, looking into upcoming races, following the drivers' interviews. This shutdown while very good for the teams and the drivers, it seems like they've been going pretty much nonstop, even over last year with, with no uh, break in between. It just really sucks for me. Yeah, I think it really sucks for the, the fans. Uh, waking up in the wee hours of Saturday and Sunday morning, still kind of drunk from the night before, was a weekly tradition that I really enjoyed looking forward to. So um, I don't know where all this extra time they're going to have during my days are going to go. But uh, yeah, that's going to be really bad for me is something that i'm gonna have to figure out how to cope with in the uh in the next three weeks or i believe 26 days from now so um yeah uh tears. who's counting though yeah exactly who's counting the days the seconds and the hours uh but moving on to my ugly uh the ugly is going to be helmet marco's law council invoices with everything that's been happening these past few weeks and how adamant he's been to imprison Lewis, catch Mercedes performing fraud, this weekend definitely does not help the cause. We've had another Mercedes causing a crash, not to just one, but both Red Bulls. One of the Red Bulls was taken out of the race. The other was some serious enough damage where he wasn't able to compete for major points. I imagine... I kind of imagine Helmet coming home every single night. He has four voodoo dolls lined up. He's got Lewis, Toto, Valtteri, and then just the Mercedes car in general. And he just takes his time stabbing the shit out of him for hours before bed. Just pin into, pin into the eyes just, of everybody. Yeah, and this is like how he kind of releases all this built-up emotion and anger. 
As a practicing doctor myself, I would highly suggest he learn to compartmentalize this hate for them, or we'll probably be reading his obituary here sooner rather than later with all this stress and anger. But um, that kind of does it for my good, bad, and ugly. Uh, We'll toss it over to Ian to hear yours. Perfect. Yeah, mine is pretty similar to yours um, for as far as my good, just more specific. So of all the good feelings that you got from the storylines this past weekend, I think my favorite was Russell crying during his interview. Like, honestly, imagine two and a half years of week in, week out. You are kind of the laughing stock of F1. You're like in, in the back of the grid pretty consistently. Uh, just hoping to put yourself in a position where you can capitalize on one freak accident, you know, when it does, if and when it does come around. And then, you know, finally happens so well deserved for George. And let's not forget about Latifi, who actually finished ahead of him um, right now. Just all good feelings for the Williams team right now. They do deserve it. Um, after years of pretty embarrassing performances and results. So that'll be my good. My bad is Haas. You mentioned that Helmut Marco's law invoices were going to be pretty dastardly. Well, Haas is going to have pretty much the same situation, but just with their repair bill. So with Mick crashing his car in FP3, Gunther said, just going to simply have to be something that changes here between his two rookie drivers. Their repair bill is getting so out of hand, uh, and I guess that's what you get when you try to put two rookies into a car to drive to you when the car is a piece of shit. As far as my ugly, job security for Valtteri Bottas. Now, this isn't a new topic necessarily per se, but if there were any way to put a nail on a coffin, it's to crash out, not score points in the final race before a three-week summer break where really all you have to ruminate on is that you're not helping your team as far as scoring points. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, if anything, this is probably just going to give Mercedes some good feelings of closure and saying, yeah, you know, the the time has come, the the time's right now. So, yeah, I think they said summer break, but I can't imagine it's going to be very deep into summer break before we get that Russell announcement. So that'll be my, uh, my good, bad, ugly there. Awesome. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, we were able to kind of cover a little bit of everything. But to moving on to actually really dive in to everything that happened over this weekend, we're going to kind of uh, we're going to go through our weekend recap, starting off with qualifying. Sure. Yeah. Starting out with qualifying, I alluded to it earlier, but Mick crashing out in FP3 meant that he couldn't end up qualifying later on that Saturday afternoon. Big bummer for him, but at the same time, I think uh, maybe he would have gained a position or two, but that was probably where he was going to start anyway. How about George, uh, the guy who finally scored points, not making it out of Q1, kind of throwing us all off the scent. Another surprise was Yuki Tsunoda, since Alpha Tauri was thought to be good this weekend. Him putting in a real stinker of a qualifying was not what the team at Alpha Tauri wanted to see, but so be it. He still ended up pretty well for the race, considering his poor starting position. But I think one of the main things to focus on, kind of the main storyline coming out of qualifying, was in Q3 when Lewis jammed up the field. Seemed like he was going about 10 to 15 miles an hour down that pit lane, which stopped Max and Checo behind him um, from really getting a good lap. Max did get the opportunity to put in a final lap, uh, but he couldn't improve on it, so he ended up uh, in, in that P3, and Checo didn't even get to go for a final lap to maybe improve his situation. So, yeah, I just thought it was, it was pretty good gamesmanship. Some people had some differing opinions that we'll get into it, but I think um, all things considered, that was qualifying. Only thing that I would add on here was the uh, the post-quali presser uh, when Max was asked for probably, I think I lost count after 78 
maybe the 79th time that he was asked about the crash in Silverstone, basically just snapped and was like, guys, these questions have to stop. Like, we have to change the subject from this. Like, let's move on. We just had a qualifying for the next Grand Prix. Let's maybe uh, pump the brakes on these questions. And you could hear there was a big, awkward pause from, I think, Tom. Tom something is the guy who puts on those uh, those quality pressers and, and, uh, and post-race pressers that – He's like, oh, okay. Well, there goes about half of my questions for you. So, <laughs> didn't didn't really seem to get the most out of that. But yeah, that was that was uh, I think qualifying in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, I did like after that that uh, he he kind of moved on to Lewis, and it was just like, Lewis, any uh, additional thoughts to that? And Lewis's face looked like <laughs> one of your buddies that just yelled and cussed out his own mom. Yeah. That you're like, I don't, don't put this back on me. Kind of had a smirk and was like, No, I think he covered it. <laughs> like, let's fucking move on. I didn't like this at all. So I thought that was pretty entertaining. Uh, moving on to the actual Sunday race itself, we're going to go as we have been, 5-4-3-2-1 in the standings. And first time top five in the standings all year is Alpine. So congrats, boys, to that. Uh, a big help from that was Esteban Ocon finishing first. He was the first French winner in a French car for 25 years. All, uh, Olivier Panis did it in Monaco, where only three cars finished that race. So, uh, you know, we had, I think, what, 13, 14 finish. So, you know, we're on that track. But, uh, yeah, not quite the same. Hope you guys really didn't listen to our episode last week in the part where we said, you know, we're kind of going over what it what it's like for a lot of the teams going into the the summer break. And it said didn't really have a lot to, to look forward to in the future for Alpine. Uh, this really uh, sh- shook up from what we said. I think this is maybe that turnaround that we were talking about. So maybe actually we can kind of turn around saying that we were right. They listened to us and got that little motivation they needed. You're welcome. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, the, the little Eaton Asphalt negative talk bump that we always give out. Always. <laughs> um, as great as it is for them. I feel like there was a ton of luck that was involved in this race specifically. Uh, the rain that caused the entire crash itself. Uh, the strategy Mercedes took. And, um, yeah, a lot of other factors. I think that there are still some worries for Alpine. I don't see them maintaining uh, a lot of podium finishes this year based off of their other – based off of the performance of the other races. But uh, we'll – you know, at least they have something to hang their hat on going into the summer break, something that maybe they can kind of build off of. But, uh, yeah, we'll see with that. Um, Fernando was absolutely masterful defending Lewis uh, so Esteban could end up – top of the podium i was kind of curious and i've seen this the last couple of weeks i don't know if this has ha- been showing a lot more in the past but it seems like fernando alonso i don't know if he hates lewis i don't know if he just doesn't enjoy him as a racer or he just doesn't want him to win but there's been a lot of things um he's kind of come out saying that really doesn't seem like they're like you know good old pals uh, he said he didn't want Lewis to win another championship. I know he said his idol growing up and uh, was Michael Schumacher, so he wants kind of those seven drivers' championship to stay. Uh, he also said that he hailed off Lewis, Lewis for both Esteban and Max, and then was kind of ripping on Lewis a little bit for saying that you know Lewis, you know, based off of Lewis's pace during the race, that he should have passed Fernando a lot sooner than he did. Um, and some of the kind of the movements, uh, it seemed like he was saying that uh, Lewis was really getting a little um, flustered with himself and making some moves that he shouldn't have and causing uh, him not, you know, take that extra time, which inevitably caused Ocon to actually, you know, finish out in P1. Um, you know, did you, I don't know, Ian, if you saw this, I don't know what your thoughts on this were as well, or is it just me kind of looking into just kind of thin air? 
No, not at all. I think there definitely is something there. I'm not sure he hates Lewis as much. Uh, as him just wanting it to be, I think he's just an F1 fan like the rest of us, and he wants to see a close race, and the closer that those two at the top are, the more exciting it's going to be, and the more excitement is going to go into each and every Grand Prix. So, yeah, that's that's just kind of what I thought ab- about that, but it was cool to see kind of like your, your cool, cool Uncle Fernando that was just keeping Lewis behind so that you could go on and, and win your teammates. So Esteban, as a, as a teammate of Fernando, has a lot to be thankful for there. Yeah, it almost kind of reminded me of you have like the the family gathering, family um, barbecue, and you're the little kid playing with your older uncle that, you know, maybe played some high school basketball back in the day, and he's just been boxing out all the the older kids that really want to like kind of take it seriously, letting you get the easy layups and everything. But you know, just he's he was a real MVP, but you kind of were the the MVP in total points. But like we all know, it, if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be up there. Yeah, exactly. Just just cool guy Fernando helping out the young kids. Right. Awesome. Moving on from fifth to fourth, staying in fourth place, even though that they are tied with McLaren, is Ferrari. So Ferrari, like the three constructors ahead of them, lost a driver in that opening lap crash down at turn one. Carlos had a pretty strong drive, all things considered. I didn't think that would be the case just based off of his qualifying, but it did end up working out for him since a massive chunk of cars were either turned around, retired, that were right in front of him. But, you know, getting some getting some points made up is getting some points made up. Saw this. Um, Carlos, because of Seb's disqualification, which currently stands right, um, There's I think there's an appeals process going on, but I don't know how you can really appeal that. If you break a rule, then I'm not really sure how that's going to be turned around. But because that meant he went from finishing fourth to third, he technically was on the podium. Um, and now that makes four podium appearances for Carlos Sainz. And I say appearances loosely because of the four times that he's finished in the podium positions, he's only actually been on two podiums. So he had that one with McLaren back when, um, when they kind of went on, like I think it was like an hour after the actual celebration on the podium took place. Um, and so, yeah, he's got 50% of the podiums that he scores. He actually celebrates, which is a, a fun little fun little titty bit for Carlos. Yeah, does he get a, an actual bottle of champagne once they actually determine him to make the podium? Because that's kind of bullshit, right? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I would hope kind of the not because it's, it's like a participation trophy-flavored champagne, I feel like. Yeah, but I mean, like... At least he can taste that flavor, but I mean, I, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm sure he'll uh, he has uh, enough dough in that pocket from him and his father to to buy his own, I guess, if he really wanted it. Uh, moving on to the tied in the constructors championship with Ferrari, McLaren. Uh, tell me if you've heard this before. Danny Rick had another tough showing after a strong drive the race before. This one necessarily wasn't his fault. He had some damage to his car, as we keep mentioning, that um, turn one fiasco in lap one. But you got to feel for the guy, just not being able to show consistency. Uh, I mean, for how great of a guy and how lovable he is, just, you know, having, I feel like, that mental blockade to never kind of build off of uh, his strong finishes has got to be tough for him. Moving on to the other driver that has we've always been in conversations with Mr. Consistency and we've been talking about it a a bunch recently with uh, breaking the McLaren record for uh, most point finishes 
only for him to be screwed over in also that turn one by Botas. Um, Lando had some very strong comments about Botas being penalized uh, strongly. I know based off of his some of his penalization uh, earlier this year and last year that he was expecting Botas to get a lot worse. It was very funny. There was the, the interview of him going through this and just him blatantly saying, yeah, that was Valtteri's fault. Only for him to see in the corner of his eyes Valtteri walking up straight to him to say, hey, my bad man. <laughs> Lando kind of shook his head up and down. Yeah, okay. And then kind of looked and he's like, so, what was that, Lando? The, the reporter asked. And he was, had nothing to say. He was just like, I don't want this conversation. I want this conversation to be over with. Uh, you ever been in a group chat with somebody who you want to talk shit about, to, uh, like about them outside of that group chat? And then you text the group chat. I feel like that was the same kind of vibes as Lando when Valtteri came up behind him in the interview. It was just like, yeah, but it was Bottas' fault. It was like, oh, hey. <laughs> hey. Hey, man. Hey, good to see you. You you okay? Oh, yeah, no, no problem, dude. Yeah, definitely d- definitely not pissed off at what you fucking just did. <laughs> you ruining my whole team's race, basically, but yeah. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Uh, and then last thing, um, they were interviewing Danny. Uh, they were just talking about you know what his plans were to do uh, – what his plans were with this upcoming break. He isn't able to go back home to see his family in Australia due to the uh, extended time that he would have to do in quarantine and not being able to see his family really at all the entire time if he were to do that. Uh, the reporter seemed very pretty upset about that, didn't realize um, that was probably not the right question to ask, should have done his reporter due diligence and known that before asking. Uh, but he did suggest that they they take a potential uh, trip to see him out in Amsterdam together. Danny really uh, jumped at that idea, but then kind of had to hold back saying um, they do drug testing here in Formula One and probably would it be a good idea. So even when the, you know, the sadness of having a, a tough race, um, not being able to see your family and try to talk about that still has that positive mindset, which is I feel like why we all love the guy. Moving on to number two, the unlucky team of Red Bull Racing. They were first in the Constructors' Championship last week. No longer they do move behind Mercedes. Um, Sergio was just an unlucky, got caught up into that first corner crash. Max also did. He started in P3, but then went down to P13 after lap three. So, yeah, the damage to Max's car was the reason that he couldn't end up making up those laps. I saw a picture of it. Literally half of his car was gone. Half of the barge board or, like, the floor of the car was gone. So, you know, you can't really blame him too much when essentially all of his aerodynamics were screwed up. Uh, and, yeah, of course, Sergio with just another super unfortunate retirement. Um, is is going to be kind of uh, leading into Red Bull getting a big whomping one point for the weekend, um, and that's clearly not going to be not going to be enough. So I think two races ago we were chatting about how you know Mercedes could essentially just have you know a perfect one two finish and Red Red Bull could be have a double retirement, but they still wouldn't pass them. Uh, two weeks later we're looking at a little bit of a different scenario where Mercedes has passed Red Bull. Um, hopefully they toss the lead back and forth to each other throughout the rest of the season and Mercedes just doesn't pull away or even Red Bull just doesn't pull away. But you know, just like everything, we'll kind of have to see how that works out. Yeah, absolutely. And moving on to first place, just like we all predicted at the very beginning of the year, Mercedes is leading the Constructors' Championship and Lewis is leading the Drivers' Championship at summer break. How we got here, very different story, but it is crazy just to see kind of the lows that we were seeing from Mercedes uh, midway through summer break, and now, you know, look at us now. Uh, um, looking at the actual drivers, Bodas is doing pretty much everything he can to get pushed out of his second seat next year. 
after the race, uh, there was a little pano from the, um, there was, after the race, there was a little pano from the television showing Esteban Ocon panning to Toto, who uh, really wanted to describe kind of the events of the race. Everything he kind of said, in my mind, was complete bullshit. He, you know, it was almost like he was a politician just kind of spewing shit out of his ass just to kind of get by and just make some some ridiculous statements. First, he says that there was nothing that Botas could have done to avoid that crash, that he got pinned in there. Uh, I mean, I feel like me, along with the rest of the world, is calling bullshit on that. I think that was just a bonehead error by Botas and not breaking when he should have. The second thing is that they said that they made the right choice to leave Lewis out there for their strategy on the restart. I don't see how you can kind of confidently say that, you know, I think we made the right decision there. I feel like even if you were to pit, some people were expecting him to come out maybe sixth at the worst if he would pit right off the bat. And so instead of being 14th, you're in sixth. And yeah, this is a whole different story. We're talking most likely we're talking about Lewis and finishing P1 uh, at the end of this race. So I think that was kind of just ridiculous. Just you know, for all honest, we always hear Toto being uh, to kind of just kind of spew that shit out of his mouth. Uh, a little ridiculous. Moving on to Lewis, he you know obviously starting at 14 after the the restart had a masterful recovery to make it into third. Technically second. Uh, he did have some hicc- hiccups along the way. I feel like sometimes that we've seen Lewis starting, uh, whether it be you know a crash, he slips out and he's starting you know mid or back of the pack. He's just walking through these people. Did have some uh, a little more difficulty passing some of these, and we know uh, with Hungary it's a little bit more difficult of a passing course. So uh, maybe understandably that way. Uh, but yeah, he struggled getting past Kimi right off the start a little bit, and as we all know, uh, had his difficulties with Fernando as well. Uh, he said after the race that he felt some dizziness, some lightheadedness, and wasn't really the same up there on the podium. Uh, his kind of excuse or his rationale was he's still kind of recovering from from COVID. Uh, Esteban kind of stepped in, and a lot of these drivers had also relayed this as well, that this is an extremely taxing course with all the downhill and sharp turns. Uh, so for him to fall into 14th and then pretty much have to drive kind of balls to the wall the entire race just to catch back up into into a podium contention, uh, contention I'm sure really did wear him out. Uh, but yeah, I think you know if you were asked to Mercedes four or five weeks ago if um, you know they were happy with the current standings as we see it now, I think they would take this any day of the year. Um, and so yeah, we're we're gonna see what happens. I feel like. It seems like the pendulum slowly swinging back in Mercedes' uh, lap. I feel like these last two weeks were, you know, a little bit more out of the ordinary. So we'll see if it's kind of a, a pace thing that Mercedes still doesn't have the advantage on, uh, or you know, you give them three Mercedes three weeks to to figure out the car and, and you know catch back up in terms of that. So uh, I think this is going to be a, a big uh, big summer break for both uh, Mercedes and Red Bull. So there is the official Eaton Asphalt Race Weekend Recap. Now that we have that information as kind of a foundational level there, let me ask you some agree or disagree. Alrighty, Roo. All right. Number one, Alpine have their man in Esteban Ocon after the success that he had this weekend. I am going to, at this moment in time, disagree. I think there was a lot of luck, uh, a lot of fortune or unfortune, uh, depending on what side of the car you're on uh, for a lot of these drivers this weekend. So I think while he did have an, a stellar race uh, and, you know, congrats to him, uh, I just 
I haven't seen it kind of, you know, when you get the whole grid and nothing out of the ordinary is kind of happening. Um, yeah, so until we start seeing that on a consistent ba- basis, I would still be a little bit worried if I'm an Alpine fan. I think I would totally agree. Like, let's let's hold off on congratulating and patting Alpine on the back until Alcon puts together a couple of good, you know, couple of good results. But, uh, but yeah, obviously this is, I mean, no better way to go into a three-week break than having won your first Grand Prix in, I think it was like six years. So, yeah, definitely good for him. All right, number two, Valtteri's punishment of a five-place grid penalty is too lenient. Agree or disagree? I would agree. Uh, I, I mean, like, you ruined the race for so for half the grid. Uh, and, yeah, I think it was kind of mayhem. You can take his argument saying, you know, obviously you had the rain going on, but the other 19 drivers were dealing with rain as well. They knew, you know, how to approach coming into turn one with, with those set of tires on. So, yeah, I, I really don't think there's any excuse. Who cares? Like, he might have, you know, not been able to turn left out because he was pinned in there, but that doesn't take away from the fact that he just – it was a complete blunder of waiting that late to try to break uh, during that time. So, yeah, I, I think um, with that being said, it really affected so much of the race, so much of the outcome that um, I think a five-place grid penalty, uh, it should have been a lot more. Yeah, I agree, especially, like, the number of people who you screwed over is what gets me. Why not right. this? Okay, give me your opinion on this. Two-place grid penalty for everybody who you ruin the race for. I like it, but who, like I feel like it's pretty arbitrary or uh, open for interpretation on who it ruined. Because you can, you can throw Danny in there, you can throw Max in there that actually finished the race but had some damage to it. So like, are you considering them? Is it only people that were disqualified? Yeah, that's a good question actually i i think for it to work i mean i don't think it would work in the first place but for it to work it would have to be like a direct retirement because of a certain incident um and instead of you know max still went on to i think he finished up in, in ninth place now that sebastian's not on the the uh podium anymore but but yeah it, technically he ruined his race i don't know just talking bullshit like we do like it's what they pay us for <laughs> i'm sold dude i like it <laughs> All right, number three, Lewis's gamesmanship of backing up the quali pack on their final opportunity to get a lap in was bad sportsmanship. Could not disagree more. I think that's ridiculous to say. Everyone knows how qualifying is done. People will, you know, obviously wait around to get some some time in between them. There was a car in front of Lewis that he wanted to get some, some um, gap for him. You know, if they had that much of a problem – they should have seen this coming. Maybe, you know, Lewis is going, like we said, 10, 15 miles an hour. Look like around these turns, around these turns, pass them, you know, do something. If you really think this is, uh, I, you know, their timing, it's kind of Red Bull's fault to, to, you know, being close enough to, to not even making it, even with Lewis slowing down. Uh, I think that's, you know, a risk that they're willing to, or that is a risk that, you know, they knew going into it. And so, yeah, with Lewis going a little bit slower, it, it was able to push push Perez out, but I think that, you know, there was no negative intent in there, it didn't seem like. It seemed like it was just kind of normal, and of course it does end up being a Mercedes doing it to Red Bull, of course. Yeah. It's like, at the end of the day, you're not not allowed to do it. So doing something that you're allowed to do is not bad sportsmanship, but I did see that take get thrown around on Twitter, and it's, you know, just those Lewis, those Lewis haters... Um, 
All right, number four. This has been, well, I mean, this is an obvious one, but number four, this has been the most entertaining race of the season so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, listening to everything that we've we've talked about even prior to, I, yeah, it, it really did have it all. It had uh, an unsuspected, it had an unexpected podium uh, with a bunch of names that you really didn't expect seeing. It um, yeah had a crazy crash. It had rain. rain. Uh, it had everything going for it. Uh, it had you know uh, the stewards coming in like crazy, uh, pulling drivers in every other minute to talk about some ridiculous thing that they had wrong uh, with, they, with, with what they saw. So yeah, I think it was. It could not have had a, yeah as we've said, it could not have been a better race to to go into summer break with. Absolutely. And lastly, Fernando Alonso is the reason that Esteban Ocon won this race. Agree or disagree? Uh, you're an idiot if you disagree. <laughs> like he he 100% got him this one. Uh, his his race engineer, first thing he basically said, he was like, uh, Esteban asked if Fernando, uh, you know, made it into P4. He's like, nope, ended up P5. But he's the reason that you won this race like straight up everyone knew that this guy held off lewis for so long and if you gave him an extra maybe two laps i think this is a completely different story again so either fernando's not holding them on a little bit longer or yeah you extend this race a tiny bit this is a different story so yeah 100 percent credit goes to fernando lovely all right, let's move on to what the people want to hear, which is our race predictions recap, the most high-stakes predictions in the game. First, before we do that, we do want to tip our hat to our sponsors. So this part of the podcast is brought to you by the Botas Bowling League. In this day and age, life can be busy and stressful. Whether you're worried about job security or even naked images slash videos of you circulating around to tens of millions of eyeballs. That's why it's always nice to take a deep breath and relax with several friends around and go bowling. Nothing feels quite like barreling down at a speed that feels a little bit too fast and watching things in your lane get smashed. If you're good enough, you'll surely ruin the day of at least a few other people with how good you are at making some good contact. Bottas Bowling League. When we strike, few are spared. Well, thank you so much for the Bottas Bowling League. Um, yeah, hopefully uh, I can uh, have some time. Actually, I might, since we do have this extra time over these uh, next three weeks, maybe we should uh, ask to join. Maybe we get a little Eaton Asphalt discount. If you And if you, as a listener, want to come join, um, use code EATMYASPHALT and you get 50% off. Okay. Now moving on to our race, <laughs> race predictions recap. Um, just a, a quick update on on all the lads and ladettes listening. The score currently is Ian 12, Marco 9. Let's get right into it. Who did we think will crash our DNF? I went with Danny. I went with Carlos. Yours was pretty and close. It, yeah, and it is a damn shame that neither of us got any of this right. I mean, I feel like the odds were very heavy in our favor based off of what happened and how many people did get DNF'd that, uh, yeah, we'd, we, both were, we both were wrong in this one. Yeah. As far as winner, both swung and miss on this one. I picked Lewis. I picked Max. But, you know, I think and, that's a win in, in and of itself for F1 as a whole. You know, a, a non-Max or Lewis winning a non-Max or Lewis person standing at the top of the podium. That's exciting in and of itself. So no points, but I think we both won here. Yes, style points, I would say. (laughs) Participation points. (laughs) Uh, Moving on to last place, 
I went with Nikita Mazepin. Uh, I went with Nicholas Latifi. Uh, so, unfortunately, Mazepin was uh, DNF'd, so he is taken out of this. Latifi had a pretty strong race. So, um, yeah, uh, that is not what happened. We had, actually, um, Giovinazzi finish last place in 14th uh, in this race. Yep, very good job by me to pick the guy who has scored the most points for Williams since 2017 to be last place. Good job. We're great at this. We know our shit. Driver of the day, I ended up picking Charles, who um, drove for about 14 seconds of the day. I went with Lando that uh, drove for about 13 seconds. <laughs> so, so yeah, real close. Um, and both, yeah, really did did not take that um, that crash very well, um, emotionally, physically. So, uh, tough for them. But moving on to our favorite, douche of the day. Uh, brought to you by Summer's Eve. Get your douche products and clean it up down there. I went with Sergio Perez. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I picked Kimi Raikkonen, and I think they both had um, not douchey activity. So no, yeah, no, nothing, they were to clean up douched on upon. They, yeah. they were douched upon. Yeah, yeah yep, yep. they got douched. Uh, I think um, if we had to pick, obviously Botas would have been a number one pick, but uh, I would say the stewards would have been a close second uh, with some of the decisions they have made recently that we might talk a little bit about later, but neither of us but alas, neither of us got the point. Yep. And then fastest pit stop minus Red Bull. I picked Alpine. And I went with Williams. So Red Bull number one there with Alfa Romeo taking this one home for us. And yeah, a real wild... shocker in that one. Yeah, no kidding. Wild card. Are prediction. you more surprised about? Are you more surprised about Ocon getting the winner or Alfa Romeo getting this uh, second place in the fastest pit stop? Right. Yeah, I think Alfa Romeo can really hang their hat on this as a successful season. <laughs> this is building blocks. <laughs> Second place. Uh, wild card prediction. I was close on this one. Danny and Carlos in the top five. Carlos made the top five, but Danny did not. Twelfth, yep. Pretty close. You were on it. Uh, I went with both Max <laughs> and Lewis will podium. I was super close as well because Max did not podium, but Lewis did. I had the caveat that they will not celebrate and shower each other with champagne after. We did not have the opportunity to even see if that would have worked out. I uh, was really hoping it would have, but uh, yeah, at last we're here. Yeah, and Lewis didn't look like he was showering anybody because he had, what was it, mild dizziness and fatigue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, yeah. You know, I wonder if that's the COVID. result. Yeah. That's the result of driving a fucking Formula One Grand Prix, like always weekends, or if, yeah, or if he maybe purposely got COVID so he wouldn't have to celebrate someone else winning. Yeah, uh, so that does it for our race predictions. If you are a listener, you uh, are kind of thinking, oh shit, like, yeah, no, neither of us scored points this week. So back goose eggs. It was a ridiculous race. We loved it, but you can't really fault us for not getting some of these answers based off of how crazy the race was not our faults i think we all won technically we all won for how great of a race was we it it, it worked out for everyone hooray hooray all right so that does it as i said for race predictions recap we are going to go on to our last sector of the episode recent headlines but before we get there this part of the podcast is brought to you by the government yes the government, and not just one government, 
but all the governments. All the governments are coming together to create a new sector of the government government. It's called the Alonzo Defense System. This system has been around since 2001, but has recently been offline the past few years and was a slow to restart in 2021. But now, this defense system is fully up and running and almost impenetrable. Here's a list of some of the things that this system could take down. Gunshots, rocket launchers, nukes, Lewis coming out P1, alien attacks, me from pissing the bed after a long day of drinking. As you can tell, this system can do it all. And for the low, low price of $25 million a year, it can be yours too. One customer review says, quote, I owe the Alonzo defense system my life. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for this system and holding off attacks from the rear. This is from a Mr. Ocon. So act now as this system has been around for 20 plus years. So no telling how much fuel it has left in the tank. Let's just admire its skill while it's still here. Big shouts out to the Alonzo defense system, the ADS, I think, as it's called in the industry. Yep. Yeah, it has been. Yeah. Uh, around for a while but uh, yeah it's just got little it looks like a, a little bit of uh, upgrades and it's it's back in action <laughs> for now for now <laughs> right on let's finish out we don't have too many recent headlines to talk about since we recorded just a couple days ago last but uh yeah Vettel gets in trouble for wearing the same love t-shirt during the national anthem just to show his support for the lgbtq community who by all accounts, is kind of getting screwed over by the Hungarian government. So good on him. Good for you, Sebastian. We appreciate uh, your support to our homosexual brothers and sisters. Guess what This what I'm doing right here. What are you doing? Yeah, I just put on my tinfoil hat. I'll be honest, I had no tinfoil around me, so I just shook a box. But that was me putting on my tinfoil hat because I think that the reason that... Sebastian Vettel was disqualified was due to the fact that he wore this shirt and was so outspoken regarding the LGBTQ community this weekend. Uh, We've seen some things from the past uh, about drivers and teams being able to just squeeze out as much of that extra fuel. The reason why he got disqualified from what they say was that they weren't able to uh, take out the fuel from his car, causing him to DQ. uh, we've seen some things from the past where um, drivers and teams have said that they have done everything they can to squeeze this out. And even if they didn't, the team still did not disqualify them. So it just seemed like that they were just trying to find a reason uh, for for Sebastian to get disqualified. He had to go into the stewards just for the shirt incident. I know there were a couple other drivers, but they really did um, have a, some beef with that. Uh, I just I just think that if this wasn't in Hungary, we see Sebastian Vittel standing up there as P2. Um, so, yeah, that was a, a real bummer to see. Um would love to hear what your guys' th- thoughts are uh, and, uh, yeah, some of your predictions on, on if that were the case or not. Moving on to the next headline, Lewis Hamilton was asked about his um, uh, maneuvers, his strategy in qualifying, as we talked about, just waiting to the last second uh, for Q3, causing Sergio to get kicked off and for some reason people blaming that that's the reason why Max didn't get a good time which I don't fully understand but regardless Roman Grosjean came out with a tweet saying if he did that on purpose that's a really bad look this was brought up to Lewis and the post call presser and uh, Lewis snapped back which is awesome to see he said some people clearly don't know what's going on here 
he said, quote, it's probably why they aren't driving. So suck it, suck it, Roman. And uh, yeah, and then there was some uh, Roman did not really respond to that, but someone kind of bring uh, brought up some uh, some data saying, you know, the timing of when they left for Q3 and and that it really was, you know, something that he left earlier than than he typically had on his outlaps. And so Roman just goes. Um, yeah, that um, that was actually a well well done and uh, well displayed mastery for for Mercedes and and Lewis. So just completely just bent the knee after uh, he got some shots fired back at him. Yeah, which he should put him back in his place. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And he's like, why, why, why did he, why did I even think this was a good idea? Yeah, man, Lewis kicking the guy while he's down, kicking the guy while he's on fire. Slam. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and then last thing that we have. Actually, last two things because I just saw something come on my laptop here. Um, Aston Martin is appealing the FIA's decision, as we know about. I don't know really what this even means. Like, if a rule says that you have to have one liter of fuel left after the race so that they can test it and you have less than a liter, what is your defense, do you think? They go in and be like, "What? what's a liter anyway? Like, what? who, <laughs> who thought of liters? Well, liters? What are those? <laughs> Talk about liters? Talk about playoffs? Leaders? Please. Um, lastly here, I uh, just saw come in that Lewis Hamilton thinks that he has long COVID, and that's the reason for his exhaustion and fatigue at the Hungarian Grand Prix. Do you know what long COVID is, and can you maybe explain it to someone who doesn't? Uh, yeah, so if, like, this whole Delta variant that's been going around is basically the street term this is called long COVID. Gotcha. So it's like super COVID. Super COVID, yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've heard of super AIDS, but I've never heard of uh, super COVID, but that makes sense. It mutates and gets mega, mega COVID. Mega, yeah, yeah. Mega COVID, which is perfect for F1. Mega. Yeah. That was we, mega. We got a, maybe only a couple months away from ultra COVID, and you know how that goes. Yeah, right, exactly. Podium COVID. <laughs> Jesus. All right, let's wrap this up. Appreciate everybody listening. As always, we have a three-week break between races. Kind of TBD of what we're going to do in the meantime. But we do have some awesome things coming at the end of this summer break. Um, just a couple things. Actually, I won't spoil it. We'll uh, we'll we'll let it we'll let it ride and then let everybody be be shocked and awed as soon as it comes around. But uh, any last closing thoughts, Marco? No, uh, we'll continue to do our weekly segments in the meantime until we can get racing back up and running. Uh, so, yeah, stay tuned, and I appreciate you guys listening along. All right. See you, assholes. See you, assholes. <laughs>